0: So I'm going to start with uh, freedom of information, and I'm going to introduce Blanche Cook to discuss this issue and what's happening in this area. Great. Uh, I'm going to stand up, if that's okay. No, you better sit down. You better sit down. Um, it's really very important to discuss freedom of information in terms of what journalists and historians do. Uh, It's really not a question of a national security state and freedom of information. It's really a question of censorship and political rights on every single level. One of the things that I'd like to say very specifically is that my book could not have been written. This is a book that deals with disinformation. It deals with what I became obsessed with, namely the overthrow of the Arbenz government in Guatemala in 1954. I became obsessed with it because in many, many months at the Presidential Library in Abilene, the Eisenhower Library, I couldn't find one single document that related to that event. And if I didn't know that it happened, I would not know that it happened from going through literally miles of documents. And we deal here now with the fact of something called the Freedom of Information Act. Um, It was strengthened in 1975 after the uh, Watergate scandals sort of exposed cracks in uh, really essentially the ruling class uh, establishment. Uh, Nixon had just gone too far even for you know, some of his friends at the CIA. And we began to have then the Church Committee, the Pike Committee, Um, and things began slowly to get exposed. I think it's very important that the information we now have about FBI and CIA excesses would not have emerged, for example, the COINTELPRO program, the dirty tricks, the sleazy, mean-minded activities that harassed every black organization, Martin Luther King, Gene Siebert, we all know these facts now. None of that would have ever seen the light of day in a journalist's pen if it weren't for an illegal break-in on the part of peace movement activists in media Pennsylvania that exposed the COINTELPRO operation now. Now, the government today is attempting to end our access to this information, to exempt the FBI, to exempt the CIA, to exempt the DIA, to exempt the Department of Defense. In addition to that, I'd like to emphasize one area. I said that my book could not have been written today. It was published in June, but it couldn't be written today. Why do I say such an outrageous thing? The reason is very simple. There is operating right now in Washington something called the CDC, which is the classification, declassification center. And the CDC was uh, formed by Carter in a in an executive order to have actually more efficiency in the release of documents. Instead of more efficiency in the release of documents, the CDC is staffed almost entirely, well, I should say entirely by retired Foreign Service officers who were active in the 50s and 60s. And what they did, they were mandated to begin the classification, declassification process with 1955. Instead, they unilaterally decided they had to go back to 1950. And what they did was to reclassify material that had been declassified by the State Department, by the CIA, (coughs) saying, well, now things have gotten too sensitive um, things that have been desensitized have become resensitized. We want, to de- we want to reclassify this material. And as a result, in terms of the State Department's foreign uh, policy volumes, which were mandated by Congress to appear basically 20 years after the fact, it is now 30 years after the fact, and mm-hmm. the 1950s volumes have not appeared. They were scheduled to appear. 30 volumes were scheduled to appear. The CDC began its operation, and 20 of those volumes were literally withheld in various stages of publication. That is to say, in advanced page-proof stage. Some were even bound galleys, and some were bound volumes. They have been absolutely withheld. The whole series has been suspended. The volumes on Iran, the volumes on Central America have been utterly closed. Now, one volume was scheduled to come out at 2,020 pages. Big volume. Very important time, 1955 and 56, Soviet Union and Central Europe. You can imagine. That volume was reclassified so that if it came out now, 400 of those 2,000 pages would come out. Now, what are we hiding? My first Interest as an historian and a journalist was in the peace movement of the First World War, and I was intrigued by the notion that the First World War era activists had that if we got into the First World War, we would Prussianize American society; that militarism would destroy democracy, and they had these wonderful phrases like "open covenants," openly arrived at, and they had other phrases, uh, you know, about the the freedom of information. They didn't use that particular word, to know what governments were doing so there wouldn't be secret treaties. Well, of course, after World War II, all of their predictions have come utterly true, and we now live in an utterly militarized situation when it comes to access to information. And I'd like to say something very bluntly, which is a quotation from a man named Warren Sussman, an historian who said, in 1962, let's face facts, Adolf Hitler had no more executive authority than John F. Kennedy. Now, we could say they used it differently. Of course, indeed, they did. But when we talk about executive authority, who is in control, what access to information we have, that is really increasingly the situation, and we face a very perilous future. Okay.